is 6.30 a.m. in New York, 12.30 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 5.30 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Shander Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. COVID-19 has fueled anti-Asian racism and xenophobia worldwide. African-Americans are dying of COVID-19 at almost a triple rate of white people in some areas of the United States. And the recent very public death of George Floyd has caused a huge surge in awareness of how Black people are being systematically dehumanized and are subject to ongoing police brutality and continue after centuries to endure racist systems, as do other Indigenous and people of color. All of this is happening before our eyes as a global community and the travel bans because of COVID, are keeping people from using their voice directly or supporting those that mean the most to them. For some members of our globally mobile community, we are seeing the weight of expat fatigue on top of racial battle fatigue, on top of activism fatigue. This is a recipe for burnout. This is a risk of losing the voices that we need to hear the most. And that is why it is my absolute pleasure to welcome today's guest to Expat Happy Hour. Natando Saleh is the co-founder of Manaka Empowerment Productions. This is a performance company which combines music, text, and video to, and per, uh, performance to question identity, face prejudice, and seek out stereotypes. Their company stands behind the knowing that a multicultural society doesn't necessarily mean that there is an intercultural understanding. Natando, this is my absolute warm welcome to Expat Happy Hour. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Sunday. So I'm so excited to have Natando here today. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Natando and um, how it came to be that she's on the podcast this week. Um, I know Natando for, I don't know, just under a year. Mm -hmm. We've been working closely together and there's a South African connection. Natando is from South Africa and is also based in Bern, Switzerland. So it's interesting that she and I met while I was in South Africa and she was in Switzerland and now we're both based in the same area. Mm. Natando is a performer and a theater maker and much, much more. Right now, she is using her skills and know-how and life experience to offer support to people right now who are ready to show up for change, but might be struggling. So Natando, can mm -hmm. you help us understand a little bit more about you and how you got to do what you do today? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I, I'm originally a performer, you know, and um, somebody who learned acting and how to 
channel my voice and my physicality into you know different forms of expression and so um, after I think in 2009 I moved to Holland where I wanted to further my studies and I did like a master's program into um, theater making and then I kind of came face to face with prejudice um, not to say that I didn't face it in South Africa it was kind of it felt different facing it in Holland away from South Africa because I thought that moving away would kind of solve all my problems Hmm. Um, and so then when I was in Holland it really felt like it was about time I confront this you know this heavy feeling in the chest and in the stomach of not being able to fully be who you want to be because of things that you don't fully understand but you definitely feel mm -hmm. and so that was also the first time I fully faced what this feeling is and then tried to explain it to myself and therefore through my work and to others, what it means and how maybe, we, you know, we can begin to overcome this feeling. Mm -hmm. Your work is so powerful. I'm going to make sure that in the blog notes, um, they have access to your performances that you have on your website because um, it, they will hit you in the gut. <laughs> That's yeah. really, really powerful work. Um, you know, you and I, we talked about you coming on as a guest. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It might've even been a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you, you know, we agreed when you're ready, um, mm -hmm. you're welcome to come on. And then, you know, for those who are listening on Friday, I reached out to Natando. I'm like, Hey, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, doesn't it kind of feel like a good time to come on um, text at happy hour? And you said, if not now, when, when, <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Why is it so important that expats abroad who are people of color or even activists? Mm -hmm. um, why is it so important that they're connected with your work right now? Well, you know, I think it's important because I, I don't only think that we should be uh, all talking about prejudice or about how it makes a, a certain part of society feel. I also think that we as people like experiencing all these feelings should be able to then heal. And that lately has been my, yeah, lately it's been my passion to find ways of how uh, we are going to heal, how we are going to move forward. Because I know from experience that this feels heavy and then you feel completely powerless and you feel as if, you know, there's nothing that you can do to change the situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so, yeah, and so I'm trying to now work to move us in a direction where you feel like, oh, I can actually do something and the power, the power lies within me, mm -hmm. you know. I can't change the world, but I can definitely change how I respond and change how I feel about myself because we've been so influenced by what I call in my work a lot, the white gaze, you know, about how we look at ourselves through the eyes of others so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you and I talked about this a few months ago about with this lockdown with COVID, how it was actually an opportunity for people of color to have a break from mm. microaggressions. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a time to rest. 
Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I remember, mean, yeah, remember yeah. when it felt like it should be rest. Uh, I mean, I, I, and that's exactly how I used this time. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the time of not having to actually be forced to go to work. I did use to try to sleep more and to take care of myself more and to look within more. So also again, if not now, when, you know, mm -hmm. Because right. this was the perfect excuse to do that. Mm -hmm. um, of course, the kids would still be around. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was really important for me to also do that during this time, to really try and rest. Um, because also this kind of work is exhausting. It not only, because you don't only look at the outside and then get angry about the outside, but you internalize everything that you see happening outside of yourself. You know, so can you say more about internalizing? Well, um, I know that the way that I was raised, uh, coming from South Africa, um, of always looking at whiteness as a standard or white people as a standard, whether it be for beauty, whether it be for things that feel good, whether it be for yeah, anything related to, you know, to myself, my hair, uh, things that are also very personal. Um, mm -hmm. That is the first place that you look, oh, this is not good enough, or my hair is not good enough, how I dress is not good enough, how I feel is not good enough. And I say internalize because these things feel so part of my blood, my veins, mm -hmm. my feelings, my breath, you know. Right. Right. And in order to not be able to look at myself that way, it feels like, oh boy, I have to really go deep and work every single day towards a way where I fully love myself for the light that I truly am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That on top of being a mother. Yes. <laughs> a spouse. Yes. Having a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Keeping the lights on. Yes. Getting food on the table. Right? Like. Yeah it's that extra burden. And I, I, I wrote down exhausting, um, because I think that's something, you know, it's really the definition also of white privilege is that you don't have to carry an extra burden, um, every single day. Right. And yeah. those who, you know, a lot of people are up leveling their activism now who are, who are white and we have the, privilege of putting pause like oh, I'm tired so today I'm gonna take a break yeah. <laughs> right like yeah. you just can't pause how you, your identity and how you show up in the world yeah it's funny that you say that because I spoke at a gathering recently here in Bern I, of which I did really did not mean to speak I didn't mean to get up and speak but the moment presented itself because I was surrounded by other black and people of color and it mm -hmm. felt so good to actually see them and feel them and be there and be, you know, and be surrounded by others who look like me. And mm -hmm. so then I got up and I spoke and, yeah, and said exactly that, that this, we are tired, but we are tired because we are living this. We are tired mm -hmm. because for us, this is not uh, something that you can leave at the door when you go somewhere. This is something that follows you everywhere you go. Yep. That was probably my, one of my aha moments when I was reading either it was, so you want to talk about race or mm -hmm. Catrice Jackson's book, um, antagonists 
advocates and allies. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to go back and look at the reference, but it, she said, um, if you're white and you're not going to bed exhausted every night from fighting racial injustice, you're not doing enough. Yeah. Yeah. And that is how we feel most mm-hmm. of the time. And even when you are not fighting racial injustice, just in general, living your life, walking around as a, as a person of color, I think that's how you feel. Uh, because I think it's the small things that hurt the most. It's the small things that I said at the dinner table, you know, at somebody that you are trying to be friends with. It's the small things that I said while you are at the playground playing with the kids, you know. Um, it's small things at the shopping center uh, while you are trying to get groceries. When you are doing just normal things, it's the way that somebody at the train station grabs, you know, um, clutches their wallet as you come close to them. You know, things like this that seem really, really small, but I think in the long term, you know, form a lot of anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. yeah. So this is um, this is something that's connected to what you have to endure. Mm, mm. That's different, right? That yeah. um, I mean, we're talking to a globally mobile community. So there's people who are like you said, you in Holland. You're like, wait a minute, I thought I escaped this, yeah. mm. and you're finding it in other contexts, finding it in new ways, and you're you're encountering race and wait what it's what it means in other contexts that are different. And I always talk about the difference between resilience and endurance and yeah. endurance leads to depletion and mm-hmm. resilience leads to rejuvenation. Yeah. And when I, when I reflect on that, you talked you and I had talked separately about how um, oftentimes people of color just endure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I want, I ask myself is resilience, a privileged concept. Yeah. Is it possible to rejuvenate? Yeah. Oh, honestly, Sunday, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, once I also said to you, Oh, we have been enduring for so long. Mm-hmm. And what, what if we overcame, what would that mean if we overcome all these things that we enduring I don't know I think it's because also enduring feels like it sounds like you're just you know you're putting up with what's going on you're just letting it pass and I don't know and so I guess resilience would mean that we see a future it would mean that we see past what's going on it means that we are completely aware of this shift that is going on right now and we fully acknowledge all the feelings that are coming up and but at the same time we see ourselves better in the future mm-hmm. and that is work <laughs> so that how is does work this- how do, how do, what do you recommend people? I know that one of the things that you're really amazing at is mindfully integrating self-care into your daily practice so yeah. that you can do the work right mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. so that you can show up in yeah. your business, show up, you know, for your family. Yeah. What are some things that you think people of color should be more actively doing so that they can heal? Well, I think, first of all, the 
the first part is to give ourselves the permission to feel what we are feeling right now. You know, regardless of what that means, whether it be anger, whether it be speaking out, whether it be, um, yeah, I don't know, uh, shouting at someone. If that is what this period needs, then that is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. um, just like I, you know, when I saw the violence happening in the States, the looting, you know, coming from South Africa, I know what that feels like. I know the feeling of when somebody has been driven into a situation where they do that, when you've got nothing to lose. It's not about, I, you know, I hear comments of, oh, you know, but um, don't trash your own house. Yeah, but if you don't believe that this is your house, you, if you believe that you have nothing to lose, of course you would trash it, you know. Of course you would break windows and, and, burn, and burn cities because you've been ignored and not seen and and you are worthless in this world you know yeah. so that's where you know and so coming from <laughs> that extreme into going inside ourselves and saying oh okay this is how it is right now I am angry I am sad I feel completely ignored and for now this just has to be okay it makes me think of the video that went viral from Kimberly Jones how she talks about the odds have been stacked against people of color the whole time using that monopoly metaphor and she says the game yeah, is fixed yeah yeah, yeah that, that's an emotional one she made mm -hmm. me cry when I watched that I yeah, I completely felt her pain and I understood exactly what she meant because that's how it feels. It feels like in the game you play, what did she say, 50 rounds of Monopoly and the game is stacked against you. Well, you paid 400, 400. <laughs> 400 years, 400 right? And then you get 50 yeah. more, right? Yeah. And then they, mm -hmm. they, well, they burn, they burn, burn your Monopoly money, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as we've seen in... Um, in many places. Yeah. And she asked you to go from, she, she asked the, the listener to go mm -hmm. from asking not what, mm -hmm. but why. Yeah. Yeah. Which why? is a really good question. Why? Yeah. So permission to feel what you're feeling. Uh, um, permission to feel what you're feeling and that this is okay. And mm -hmm. um, I think step by step, day by day, which is what we're good at anyway. You know, we yeah. can... We, 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 we're already really good at going, okay, that's what's going on out there. I just stay here and tomorrow I get up and go to work again. And I think that's the same kind of compassion that we need to practice for ourselves. Right. You know, what do you, what do you do? Like you feel your feelings. What else do you do in your regular day to refuel? Oh, in my regular day, I take a lot of baths. <laughs> um, I take long showers um, if I need to take a shower if I feel I don't have time to take a bath I take a long shower because I, I have the pleasure of having a lot of water around <laughs> um, and Swiss water is really good um, mm -hmm. I meditate every day in the morning first thing in the morning I, when I get up first, when I open my eyes, I think, yay, this is going to be a good day. <laughs> mm. Even when I don't believe it, I think, oh my goodness, this is wonderful that I can open my eyes and start afresh. Mm. Then I 
breathe a couple of times, then I go get my cup of coffee and go back to bed and sit for a bit and then find a moment of stillness. You know, I don't call it meditation because it has so many negative connotations if you call it meditation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I say find stillness. And so that's what I try to do every day is to find stillness. Um, even in some days it's hard to find stillness because my brain is busy trying to figure out, okay, what to do, what to do. There's so much going on. What should you do? What should you do? What can you do? Um, then throughout the day, I again, try, I set my alarm and find stillness, uh, in the middle of the day, just for two minutes. It doesn't have to be that long. And then I think the big part is self-talk. I do a lot of self-ease, ease in terms of talking to myself in a way how I would talk to a friend. Mm-hmm. This I try to do throughout the day. Most people would not talk to a friend like they talk to themselves. No, no. And I think I, div- I discovered this also through our coaching when, uh, you know, the way that I talk to myself and how hard I am on myself, you know. But when mm-hmm. I talk to a friend, I'm really kind and, <laughs> and understanding and compassionate, but not to myself. Right. Yeah. So it's, I mean, when I hear that, mm-hmm. um, I'm hearing there's an intention of this kind of gentle kindness with mm, yourself. Mm, mm, yes, yes, yes. So tell me more about... Um, show up for change this program that you have to support people of color um who are activists or expats Mm -hmm. of color who are abroad Mm -hmm. and are feeling the fatigue what tell us a little bit more about that well it's a six-week program um and basically i use uh you know the things that i'm i just spoke to you about about self-care and uh, going within and i use those things to try to create then a practice a daily practice that could help you uh, or to find a way to sustain that daily practice because i think Mm -hmm. most of us always think that self-care is something that's completely reserved for white people or Mm -hmm. something that's reserved for rich people or mm-hmm. something that people who don't have to work have to do. Right. And I then think, but if we work so hard as people of color and and live under so much pressure in our daily lives, when do you, yeah, how are we going to survive? How are you going to survive the next 10 years if you don't take 10 minutes just for yourself in a day mm-hmm. to know where you're at and what the next step should be? Right. Yeah. What makes me think about um, fight, flight, or freeze? Mm-hmm. If you're fighting mm-hmm. constantly, I mean, injustice and microaggressions and all mm-hmm. of these things, mm-hmm. it's like, when do you drop your guard and feel safe and give yourself the space to do that? Oh, feel safe. to Mm -hmm. do the space to do that that's such you know when you say that it makes me think of the podcast that I listened to this weekend um uh, with Resma um Menachem and Krista Tippett from Unbeing that was amazing yes the the podcast for those I'm going to put in the show notes it's called notice the rage notice the silence oh 
Yeah. Yeah. It's with, um, just for those who are curious, which one she's talking about, it's with a therapist and trauma specialist, Resma Menachem. And the, it's powerful. Say more about what caught your attention about that podcast. Well, what caught my attention is the way that he talks about trauma and how trauma lives in our body as an energy and has always been there and gets passed down from generation to generation. How amazing is that and how scary is that? I have known this as a as a performer because I sometimes catch a glimpse of like, maybe you've seen this as well, Sunday, when you see a dancer move in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And and what I think what moves you is the emotion behind the movement. And I think it has a lot for me to do with this, is that I can see someone's trauma. I can feel people's pain and joy you know, mm-hmm. through, through movement and through singing and through, you know, that's what, that's what moves you actually when someone yeah. sings or dances or, or performs, it's things like this that gets, you know, that gets lost that words cannot find, but you feel and just know that it's there. Right. And so when he said this, it confirmed this for me because I've always known that we operate from such a place of trauma but I've had the feeling that we people of color are not the only ones that are operating from trauma. If, if, if blackness has been such a deviant all this time, for sh- surely then whiteness is too, you know, is what, mm-hmm. is what became true when I listened to this, uh, to, to this podcast. And therefore, we are not the only ones who are supposed to be doing the work. We should all be working because we are all hurt we are all operating from a place of trauma i mean how insane is that it is insane and when i when i was listening um they talked about how what's amazing about this is the work that you've known in your whole body your whole life right Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. we're getting the science that Mm -hmm. our science is developed to be able to prove it right to to name it what we're knowing from neurological research and research on the cellular level and energetically i don't know how this is possible but they're talking about you can that trauma is passed down for as many as 14 generations how crazy is that can you i can't i I mean i can't even deal (laughs) i I mean um think of what people have endured Mm, when we when you talk about enduring right in 14 generations and that's trapped in our bodies and this is why this argument of um it's a whole nother argument but what we're carrying i feel like if i have been raised in a white supremacist context Mm, right mm, that's mm. in my body yeah that's in my cells and this idea of trauma release is around detoxifying um Mm some of that. And I don't understand the, obviously, um, the science behind it. I'm curious to learn more, but we, we didn't have the science even a generation ago to prove that. And, you know, but for me, it also explains sometimes things about humanity that I did not understand, you know, because Mm -hmm. when I, sometimes when I look at South African history and I try to understand why, um, we why you would go somewhere and just go and torture people in the way that I think um, mm-hmm. you know sometimes white people have gone to a land and raped and tortured and killed you know in this way it completely for me then is clear that everybody's operating from a place of just trauma 
And how sad is that? Because that really explains then why you would look past your own humanity and kill other people as if they were animals. Right. And because even only now, if you're from a traumatized place, are you yeah. are you going to yeah. do that? And also even now, when we or when I speak out about what I experience in this society, why for some people it does not even move them, not even a little to even try to hear what I'm saying or even try to understand what it is that I could mean by what I'm saying. But they presume, oh, you can just, you know, be, be, can you um, take it easy a bit? No, that I'm sure that's not what the person meant or, you know, mm -hmm. things like this. Right. And what I'm, what, what hit me about this is, mm. um, there's so many ways that we can dismantle unjust systems yeah. Yeah. and, yeah. You know, I think about, you know, systemic things in our legal, mm -hmm. you know, system, the way our cities are built, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and the more I think about it, the more I realize for me in, in my own dismantling, I have to do it in inside of me. I mm -hmm. can't just follow mm -hmm. strategy. That's why you mm -hmm. said the difference between a strategy and a practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I it, It's just not about strategies. It has to be in my cellular level. And yeah. he talks about the body. He oh, talks about yeah. white body supremacy. I'm just going to yeah. read something quick from, okay. from the expert from On Being with Krista Tippett and yeah. Resma. Menachem, she reads from his book, which mm -hmm. is on the way, by the way. I did order it already. You order it, um, right? Yeah. Um, so here's what she read, and I'm going to read, I'm going to sort of uh, reframe that here because I think it's important to the conversation so everybody can hear some of the things that he's talking about. Um, he says, because of white body supremacy, he's talking about the physical body, right? Mm. Here is now white, black, and police bodies. The white body sees itself as fragile and vulnerable. And it looks to police bodies for safety and protection. It sees black bodies as dangerous and needing to be controlled, yet also as potential sources of service and comfort. The black body sees the white body as privileged, controlling, and dangerous. It is conflicted about the police body, which it sees as sometimes a source of protection, sometimes a source of danger, and sometimes both at once. The police body sees black bodies as often dangerous and disruptive, as well as superhumanly powerful and impervious to pain. Yeah. I mean, doesn't that fully explain all the outrage also in a way, you know, mm -hmm. or shed some light on all the outrage and how, um, yeah, how police, white, how white policemen have responded to what's going on at the moment. And it reflects the research from unconscious bias. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, where do we go from here, Nintendo? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's nowhere else to go besides forward, inside, mm -hmm. completely inside of ourselves, and then uh, forward, definitely forward. I think it's it's all in the little things that we can do. I could imagine that it makes a difference next time. If somebody sitting across from you at a table who is a person of color talks about something that hurts them or talks about something that affects them in the community that you live in, that you try to not take it personally, that you just take a moment and listen. That's all, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like for me that speaks more than um, you then trying to defend the person in the story, blah, 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 you know, which is what usually happens. Mm -hmm. because taking a moment to just listen to somebody's pain 
validates who they are very deep within them. Mm-hmm. And for me, this is such a huge a- a revolutionary act to do for a person of color in a situation. Mm-hmm. And I think people's reflex is... Um... So a white person is kind mm. of like they I think it comes out in the podcast too about reading your racial resume, like, mm-hmm. oh, I have family members yes. and I am and I was in that demo. Yes. And uh yes. Yes. you're like yes. defensive. Uh-huh. You don't wanna you don't want someone to see you as yeah, um as a racist or yeah. or whatever, and, yeah. and and you lose an opportunity. Yeah, and you lose an opportunity to connect, mm-hmm. to authentically connect with somebody on you know on another level, on the level of the unspoken on of things that we don't understand. I mean, I don't know if this sounds like woo woo, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what I'm hearing you share is some advice for people, for you know, expats around the world and and individuals around the world who are listening to this who are not. Um, of a minority group mm. to just listen. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Just listen. What other advice do you have? Um, you can reach out in your local community to to other people of color who are um, yeah working in, in social organizations who, mm-hmm. who need assistance and just offer or ask what it is that they need. Don't, mm-hmm. I, I would say, don't offer anything that they've not asked for. Mm-hmm. Ask what it is that they need. Mm-hmm. If they don't need anything, also that's okay. You mm-hmm. can then go and do your own work by yourself. Mm-hmm. You know that does not involve asking them what it is that you should do. Right. You know, I don't know if you noticed also all the dialogue online from activists saying, "Please stop writing us messages. <laughs> stop <laughs> DMing me. <laughs> Get Wait, it's called Google. <laughs> it's called Google. Go to Google. Go look on Google what it is that you can do." or what to read or, you know, yeah. That is honestly, that's one of the most interesting themes I've looked at is when you're feeling that sense of injustice, you don't want to be part of that injustice any, any longer. Yes. Right. You want to do something physical. You want to, right. And we're, we're all good energy though. No, it's a good way. It's a good place to be at because you want to do something you want to change. Yeah. We're, and and what I've also been learning is um, if you haven't done enough of your work, you could do more harm than good. Yes, 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 yes. So it's like this balance of mm. not being complacent, but also not jumping in with um, weapons. Yes. You know, I saw a quote a couple of weeks ago that said something like, if your safe space requires people of color to come in and talk about their trauma, then it's not a safe space. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know? Um, And so I think even in the face of trying to do something good, it is always possible to hurt the people that you are trying to help the most. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, but of course, when I think... In, in the time that I've been doing all this social justice stuff, I don't think there's ever a moment where it's not uncomfortable. And that mm-hmm. is just the nature of the work. Also, right. You do something so, wrong and then you go back and you talk about it and you say, hey, I messed up. Uh, how should we? And I think, you know, this is just how it is. There's no perfect way to do this. It's going to be ugly and messy because we are involved, you know, we are both fully emotionally, physically, and then there's, you know, the unspoken part of ourselves involved as well. So what advice do you have for 
you know, I, I know this is triggering for not just um, people that identify as being in the black community, but indigenous, mm-hmm. other people of color. I, I know that this is triggering for other people who have um, suffered under injustices. Yeah. So what advice do you have for them now and, and down the road? Well, I can truly say that this is a good moment in our history, I think, when everybody is talking about all the injustices at the same time. Mm -hmm. It is also good that it's out in the open because of the pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic. I I mean, it's insane that we have so many things going on at the same time, but it's also an opportunity to rise and show and show up for yourself and be the person that you know yourself to be because I also find that sometimes in the most difficult moments sometimes I know exactly who I am and how I the the fact that I there will be a tomorrow regardless of what happens does that make sense Mm -hmm. totally I'm just writing that down you said to be the person that you're meant to be showing up yeah. Enough complacency or enough beating yourself up, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever is the case for you. Yeah. yeah, it's enough. It's enough. Show up. Be the person that you are meant to be. So good. So good. Oh, Natando, thank you so much. Um, I wanted to just spend a couple minutes, you know, making sure that we have time to talk about the work that you do. Mm-hmm. You are already a very active person as a theater maker and a performer. But in addition to that, your work is centered on that. You work with individuals is centered on empowering others and using their voice. Mm -hmm. From what I know of your work, you've got one program, um, which is called speak like a boss Mm -hmm. and one that's the self-care program for people of color called show up for change. Can you talk to us a little bit about those? Um, speak like a boss. I think I created for people who want to be bosses. It's a program that I created for, you know, that stems from my uh, extensive work as a performer. It's a way to create presence and to be able to use your voice well. Um, I teach you how to, yeah, I teach you uh, simple techniques coming from uh, storytelling, storytelling, the way, you know, to make eye contact, to uh, use your mouth to say things correctly. And also I teach you a way to connect with people by being your authentic self. How beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. To know that there's a place that you can reach inside of you using your voice that will then connect with other people. Oh, and I think we're just starving for connection right now, yeah. right? Especially yeah. when so much what we're doing over Zoom mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's so many people are put into these positions to be super professional (laughs) and connect Mm -hmm. it through this virtual technology Mm -hmm. and um, that, that connection over zoom and whatever formats we're using can feel lost. Yeah. I think, I think I started it because of that as well of realizing, Oh, there is actually a need for this, you know, because Mm -hmm. now we are, yeah, we are here having to talk over zoom (laughs) throughout the day, but, I, you know, but some people don't know where to begin. It's not the same as talking in front of an audience, but um, it still requires sometimes the same kind of focus and energy. 
Yeah. If not yeah. more, if not if more, not more right. Yes. And then you have your program show up for change. Then, um, mm-hmm. If someone is interested, tell us more about that and how they can learn more. The next one starts mid July because I start the, uh, a new one this week already. So the next mm-hmm. one will be in mid July, okay. depending on how many people there are. Yes. And who is this perfect for? This is perfect for you if you are, yeah, if you are in between stuff at the moment and you feel like you don't really know where you should be channeling your passion, this is just for you. If you feel overwhelmed and actually tired or even a bit frustrated by the work that you're doing and you just need something that will ground you so that you can show up the best way possible. That's wonderful. So before we close, um, I just want to say thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Using some of your precious energy uh, and wisdom to, to speak to all of us here um, that are engaged with expat happy hour. So thank you so much for that. Uh, If you have any last words of, of wisdom to share to our listeners, what pops up for you? Um, I think I, I already said, listen (laughs) and be there for people at the moment, for anyone who needs an an ear. I think, um, something else that's important is to take care of yourself right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you cannot help other people if you are not able to help yourself. I think it starts with you. A recharge so that you can help other people. Doesn't that, it makes sense, no? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it absolutely does. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Natando. This has Thanks. been amazing. Thank you for being here. Yeah. I'm just going to step back um, now for a second and recap some of the things that I'm noticing from, from my conversation with Natando. One is... If you are an expat abroad who is a person of color to, to sort of give space, as she's saying, for, for you to create some rest in your own life and acknowledge that you are living an Olympic level life uh, times two, right? Right now um, in this crisis. So taking some time and carving it out actively as Natando does so that you can rejuvenate and not burn out in this time. And the other thing that I'm hearing from her is if you're someone like me from the dominant culture that do not diminuate how important it is to start with you as an individual to learn, or as I said in my email on Friday last week, the unlearning, borrowing from Rachel Cargill the unlearning of all the things that we have been raised with and, and see, and are also that we're seeing from the research are also trapped in our bodies. This is big stuff. And it feels overwhelming. I hope that this podcast has given you some inspiration to take care of yourself so that you can Keep going and keep moving forward to fight for what means most in your life. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Bean. Thank you for listening. 
I will leave you with the words of a revolutionary Black feminist from the 1960s, Audre Lorde. Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It's self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Um. Ha, <laughs> ha,